So, Pastor West, Pastor Savi, have given me uh, the honor of being able to come up here and um, speak to you guys uh, on this topic. And um, I was really grateful. And obviously, I think if someone gives you the opportunity in their stead, you shouldn't deviate, right? So we're just going to continue on with the Supernatural series. And again, Supernatural, not in the sense of we're going to walk around and we're going to, you know, call down fire from heaven and a thousand people are going to fall out in the spirit and we're going to see like, you know, cancer literally fall out of people's bodies and explode on the floor. That happened at Bethel a few times, I heard, which is interesting. I kind of wish I was there. That'd be something to see. Um, but supernatural in the sense that it is above our nature. Supernatural, uh, I don't really know how to explain it in the Greek. All I know is it's meta something, meta meaning above. So if you look at it in Spanish, it's sobrenatural, which means above natural. So it's something that's outside of our nature, something that's outside of what is natural to us, right? So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All these things are not found within us, right? They're found outside of us. So if you walk in these things, you are walking in the supernatural. Amen? That's really what the, that is at the heart of this message. Uh, Deacon Chad, I, I, I loved everything that you said. You, you mentioned a lot of things I'm really going to talk about today. Uh, you said three things I really wanted to just highlight, and I really want to stick in your guys' brains. You said the rich young ruler missed the heart of God because his possessions had him. Amen? Another thing you said, we have to conform our understanding of what we think good means to what God says good means. We have to conform our understanding to what God says it actually is. Just because we say something does not mean it's true. Amen? And we're going to get into more of that later. And then finally, the last thing you said, goodness is always in step with love. The reason why the Apostle Paul mentions love first is because the Bible says in 1 John that God is love. It doesn't mean he's falling over every five seconds, crying his eyes out, you know, like he's Bambi or something like that. I don't remember Bambi ever doing that, but just let's just roll with it. Um, which interesting note, there's a weird B-movie someone made called Bambi versus Godzilla, and it's five seconds long. I wonder why. We're going to move on, though. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Um, goodness is always in step with love. Everything God does and everything God is is from the foundation that first and foremost, he loves. When he created the earth and he put so much time into it, and then finally, after creating everything, he creates man and says man is good. The reason being is because he wanted a place for us to dwell. And he created us, I believe, as an object for his affection. And not only did he create us as an object for his affection, but he created us because he wanted our affection back. Everything he's done has been out of a place of love. We're going to talk a bit about today. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about today. We're going to talk today a bit about, there we go, goodness. Guys, I'm on, I'm on all kinds of day quote, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anyways, about goodness. But what we need to understand is goodness is God's nature, but his foundation is love. So everything good that comes out of God comes out of his love, comes out of his loving heart. Amen? All right, so we're going to get into that there in a second. Uh, if you can, look around at the people about you and um, say, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Now I want you all to know that you're absolute liars because I doubt you're doing good. We're going to talk about what good means and you don't even understand what you just said to each other, and I'm just going to rebuke you all. It'll be at about a five-minute message, and we're all just going to go home. Cool? 
Hey, I want, I keep, I keep hearing about this Popeye's chicken sandwich deal. And I'm like, hey, someone's got a, brother's got to go get some Popeye's chicken sandwich. Heard someone got stabbed over it. Heard someone got shot over it. I got to try it, man. That sounds good. You mean you're willing to go to prison for like five years? Sign me up. It's got to be good. It's to die for, apparently, huh? One guy started busting out a racial slur, and I was like, okay, that's a little bit too far, I think. There's this little old white dude surrounded by all these black people, and I'm like, why was that the first thing you thought to do? Was like, I'm sorry, you're in the wrong place right now for that kind of business. Go do that in Beverly Hills or something like that. Like, do not do that right there. What is the matter with that? It's just bad context, amen? You shouldn't do it, but what I'm saying is that guy just was not paying attention. Guys, Boy Scouts always taught me to be prepared. And that guy apparently was never a Boy Scout. Yeah, well, you know what? Not everyone has the gift of the obvious. You know, that's just, that's just how it rolls sometimes. Awesome. That's called wisdom. Sweet. So, 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 so goodness. Have we all been enjoying the series so far? Yeah, it's, it, it's been pretty awesome. Uh, everything compounds. Everything grows. Everything builds off of each other, right? Uh, your love should lead to your joy, your peace, your patience, right? Your kindness, your goodness. It should all just build and build and build and build. Hey, God bless you, Hancocks. We love you guys. Thanks for stopping by and saying hi to us. Next time you're in town, please stop by again. Um, everything builds off of each other. And that's the amazing thing about God. Um, and I love what Christina said, right? She said, our economy has nothing, nothing on God's economy. And the crazy thing about God's economy is it's not just fiscal, right? It's not just financial. It's not just possessions. It's also spiritual, right? So as God begins to multiply us in the spirit, it multiplies in ways that we can't even understand. That certain bits of our being multiply other parts of our being that we can't even draw connections to, right? Because God is this big, man, magnificent creature. He's so unknowable, yet he, he wants us to know him, so he gives himself to us in little bits at a time so we can understand. And he's just doing all these things, and he's pulling all these strings together. And 50 years down the road, you did something here, and it ends up impacting you 50 years down the road, right? And he just, he makes all these things multiply, and it's so complicated, but it, it's just so simple, right? Because the command is just to go and do it, right? Just to go and follow him, and and he'll take care of all the complicated stuff. He just wants us to focus on the simple. And the simple is he just gives us these nine things to focus on. These nine things to bear. The Bible in Psalm 1 likens us to a tree. Right? And the tree is planted beside the river. That river represents the river of God. And trees, when they grow near sources of water, their roots grow and stretch into the water. So if you go into the river... And the water that seeps through the dirt, right? The roots are there pulling it in, okay? That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to have our connection to the river of God. And it says that their fruit is always in season and their leaf never withers. We've always heard the thing. I, I'm, I'm just in this season right now. I believe in seasons. But I am convinced by Psalm chapter one that no matter what season I'm in, I should always be bearing fruit and my leaf should never wither. We see this represented when Jesus walks up to the fig tree and he asks it for fruit and there's nothing on it, right? He's, he's doing a word picture for them. It's not like Aesop's fables. And the fig tree's like, well, Lord, I don't have no fruit on my trees. That didn't happen. He just went for it and it wasn't there. And he said, I cursed you. A lot of scholars would actually say, they believe that that section was written in a time and place where fig trees would not bear fruit. It was doing what it was supposed to do naturally. Right? What's the sermon on? Supernatural. 
So God looks at, Jesus looks at it and says, because you will not give me fruit, you will wither and die, right? What does that show? It doesn't matter what your season is. It doesn't matter what your surrounding is. It doesn't matter the context. We should always be bearing fruit. We should always be in season, and we should always be so full of life that we're not withering. Now, how many people in the last week have messed that up? Go ahead, like, you know, see, look at me. You know, I'm going to hop around a little bit. Like, seriously, like, my God, it's all good, right? Because the Bible also says that when we are unfaithful, he is faithful because he cannot deny who he is. Amen? It's important to remember that. We are always meant to bear the fruit of the Spirit constantly and consistently, and we're meant to walk in life because the number one thing that we're supposed to do is be in relationship with Jesus. And then the second thing we're supposed to do is take care of the brethren. And then the third thing we're supposed to do is go out into all the nations. Amen? But when we're out there and we're walking around and we're so dead, who wants to go to church with a bunch of dead people? I don't mean I died to myself. I had my funeral long ago. It was nice. All my friends showed up. You know, like, I'm not talking about that. As Pastor Tommy Miller, that was an awesome thing that he said that. I'm not talking about, you know, I died to myself. Do that, man. They're, they're supposed to see that you've died to yourself. But when you walk up, you go, hey, man, you know, let's come to church. It's just totally awesome. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> You're probably going to kill me later too, aren't you? You know, like, I'm not going to go to church with that, right? But if I go in and I'm passionate and I'm aware and I'm there, I don't need to jump around and go all crazy on people. But I can sit there, I can talk to you, and I can say, how are you doing? That's awesome. And I can honestly have a smile on my face. And I can honestly talk to them and have a conversation to be interested in what's going on in them and show them that there's so much life within me. Why is there so much life within me? Because Jesus has touched me, and I now bear his fruit. Amen? That's the goal. But today, the fruit we're going to talk about, it, it's all one fruit. They're all just different aspects of the fruit. But the, the, the bit that we're going to talk about today is goodness. And I'm going to read two sections of Scripture really quick. Uh, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to go a little bit further than where we normally go because I think the ending of it is really important to read. It's Galatians 5, through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. There's no reason we shouldn't do them. There is no biblical reason. You're writing this right here to the Galatians, and they were suffering with the Judaizers, who were people that were trying to go into Christianity and bring, and bring the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees into it. Saying to see guys, we have to do circumcision again. We have to do the, 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 the Passover, but we have to actually sacrifice again. We have to do all these things. Paul says, stop it. He even a few, a few times says, foolish Galatians, who has deceived you? Right? The propitiation of Christ was enough. But he goes in and he says, against such there's no law. I don't care what they're saying you have to do. This is what you have to observe. And they have no reason to tell you that you can't do that. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen? And then to the next verse, uh, Deacon Chad actually uh, read this one already, but I'm going to just go ahead and read it anyways. I like the sound of my own voice, and I'm working on it. Uh, Mark 10, 17 through 18. So not as exhaustive as him. One day I hope to be just like him, but I'm not going to read as much as him. So, you know, actually, when he was talking, I kind of wished he was up here preaching it. I was like, 
bro, you just go ahead. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to rest my voice for a spell. Um, Mark 10, 17 through 18. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to pray. Father, just thank you, God, that you visited us, Lord. But Lord, you didn't just visit and leave, God. You visited us, God, and now you're dwelling in this place with us, God, and you're just in here, Lord. Lord, I thank you that um, where you are, hearts become tender, God. Minds become open, God. Lord, that when you speak, people begin to understand your mysteries, God, because your word says, Lord, that it is your joy, Lord, to give us the kingdom of heaven, Father God, and all the mysteries that are involved in that, Lord. So today, today, Lord, I pray that you would anoint us in this place, Lord, to understand your word, God. Help me preach it, God, and help all of us receive and understand it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Cool. So kindness and goodness, right? We talked about kindness last week. Like, finally, like, my God, it took us so long to get to kindness. It was cool. You know, God was moving, but, you know, now we, we finally hit kindness. And what's awesome about kindness, when you, we go and we look in the Greek language, and then we look when it's used in the Hebrew and the Old Testament, kindness and goodness are basically the same word. Right? They're so together that oftentimes in the English translation, they swap them around. <laughs> but w- there's just slight deviations. See, kindness is the action. And goodness is the state of being. So if we looked at it, it would be goodness is how I am, and kindness is what comes out of my goodness. So God is good. And out of the goodness of his heart, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. And that was God's kindness. These guys can't do it for themselves. Out of my kindness, right? Well, sorry, out of my goodness, I'm going to show them kindness by sending Jesus Christ to die for them. Amen? So goodness and kindness, you can't have one without the other. They work together. It's like driving down the road. You see a homeless man. I know I'm supposed to give him money. Cool. I pull out five bucks and I give it to him. Boom. Did my good deed for the day, right? But in your heart, you're like, I don't want to give this to them. All they do is sit around with a sign. They don't work a job. I work a job. I kill myself at my job every single day. Why do they deserve my money, right? And you give it to them anyways. You want to know what that was not? That was not kindness. That was bitterness and you're just doing your checklist. Now imagine driving down the road. And you see a homeless person, and you just go, oh, my God. They have nothing. I wonder what they've been through. And you look down in your little cup holder, and you got a $5 bill. But your tank's on E. God, I, I can't spare it. Lord, I just pray that someone would come along to give them money, and you just keep driving. That was not goodness. That was fear. But you had good intentions. Amen kindness without goodness is not kindness. It's forced charity. Goodness without kindness is not goodness. It's just having good intentions. Elder John, what did your grandma always say? They had good intentions. They had good intentions, right? It's just having the best of intentions. Man, I just really want them to succeed. What are you going to do about it? Well, keep playing World of Warcraft. Are you kidding me? No one even plays that anymore. That was a bit of a niche crowd. I just hit with that one, but whatever. We're just going to keep moving. Trust me, all right? It's an MMORPG. That means millions of people play it. I don't know what y'all were doing with your life, but we were winning, all right? (laughs) Moving forward, 
<laughs> Anyways, <laughs> no, it's hoard all day. Alliance is for 12-year-olds. Ha, oh, stop it. I'm not reaching anybody, and it's your fault. That is not goodness you're showing people. All right, see, guys? Now I have a sermon illustration. Jonathan Haas, I, I love you, bro. You got your hands full, man. You have a daughter. I feel bad for you. You have a daughter. My God. Seriously, they're going to have to put me on a watch list when I have a daughter. I'm going to just be walking down the streets just staring at people. What's up, man? Yeah, what's up? I'm just, I'm just Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. It's not going to cost that much money to paint that. Huh? I bet you painted. I bet you paid for that. You're not really here for Amazon Prime. Jesus. All right, buddy. You ordered a book, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, it's a commentary by, you know, <laughs> by a Bible author. You know, awesome. I love Jesus. Not really, apparently. Anyways, so we shouldn't have a daughter. We should just stop it, Johnny. I'll be fine. I'll sleep better. Anyways, so kindness and goodness, goodness and kindness, right? We interchange them around, but they, they mean different things, but they always operate together, right? And what's funny, and I, I love, Deacon Chad, that you said that. We need to change. We need to conform our understanding of what good means to what God says good means, you ever sit around and you're like, man, that movie was so good, right? Chronicles of Riddick, man. Rotten Tomatoes hated it. Ebert and Roper hated it. All the, all the, all the critics hated it. But man, the fans, we love that movie. It was so good. Joker, it just came out. Everyone hated it. But the fans, my God. Martin Scorsese, <laughs> you genius, right? Or uh, Madagascar, holy crap. What a good movie, right? My mom said, hey, you want to go watch Madagascar? And I said, no, I'm going to watch episode three. So I was episode three for the second time. I would die before watching that movie. And when I got a little bit older, I watched Madagascar. And I was like, it's actually pretty funny. It's actually a pretty good movie. So I missed out. Not really, though, because episode three, I cried both times at the Lava River scene when he's like, you are my brother, Anakin. I was like, God. he loved him. So anyways, um, <clears throat> so that was a good movie. Uh, if we just had like a burrito or sushi, shout out to Chris's birthday party after we're going to Haroba Sushi and it's going to be good sushi, right? I, I, I'm actually like lending to my sermon right now by saying good constantly because the way I'm using good, it just is not true. But anyways, um, good, 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 right? We say everything's good. We even say, man, that, that guy over there, he's, he's a really good guy. And you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes when you're talking about a person that works, but do we understand what we're saying when we're saying good? Because the book of Mark, right, Jesus the word made flesh. Everything that we see, according to John chapter 1, does not exist without him. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, the Father made everything. And he would stop and say, hold up. You call me good. None is good but God. And we have the audacity to say that a movie or a burrito is good. You're saying those things are godlike? I can understand saying that about a person, right? Like, you know, you know if, if I can be honest, like Maxwell, you continuing to push through, regardless of your circumstances, man, seeing you up here really just giving it all you have, that's good. You know, that's Christ-like, bro. And I love you and I appreciate you and you're an inspiration, amen? That's good. Right? But if you say, man, that guy's so good. Why? Because he don't hit his wife. Okay, what else does he do? So, wait, so I'm, a, I'm good because I don't murder someone? Like, what do I do that's actually good? You know, I, I feel like there's just like a weird gray area we're not really discussing right now, and we should really clear that area up. See, 
You're good if you exhibit the traits of God. Hold up, y'all. I need to drink me some of this honey tea. Praise break. Yeah. My mom put three packets of honey in there. Thank you, mommy. Um, and it all sat at the bottom. And then, of course, she's like, make sure you stir it. And I'm like, mom, stop. I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. And then I stirred it up, and man, it's just nothing but honey on the bottom. And I was like, wow, I should have stirred it earlier. Mommy was right on that one. Mama's wrong again, right? <laughs> no, Colonel Sanders, you wrong. Anyways. We're all them teeth, but no toothbrush. It's the medulla. Um, but we say all these things like, man, this is good. Man, this is good. This is good. This is good. And it's not. It's just, it's, it's cool, right? Because we even like to use the word awesome. And awesome is only for God. Wait, wait, wait. This inspires awe in you? Like, think about awe. When was the last time you were just awestruck? Man, I remember... I remember, uh, you know, I, I hate to bring it back to a movie, but I remember I watched him. My favorite director is Christopher Nolan. I remember he did that movie, Interstellar. That is, to this day, still my favorite movie I've ever seen. Every time I watch it on a regular TV, I just love every second of it. It's just so well put together. Remember the first time I watched it in movie theaters? The score, the visuals, the acting, the emotions. I sat there and I was just like, wow, like I chills the whole movie, right? Like that was a moment of awe by a natural thing. So natural things can strike on us. But man, I can't tell you the last time I watched a movie that hit me like that. And yet, I would have the audacity to walk out and say, that was awesome. No, that movie was awesome. These movies were cool. They were fun. They were interesting, right? We use all these terms, and we don't understand what we're throwing around. Like, right when we say, yo, that is so sick. No, I'm sick, okay? Don't you be taking that from me, all right? <laughs> Amen? So we really need to recategorize what we're saying about things. Um, so now when it comes to goodness, that is just having a good nature, right? And, and we want to understand what is the goodness of our Father. And I think it's really represented in a moment I had with my son. I'm not saying I'm anything like God. I just, I really had an epiphany. It was the other night, um, sorry, the other morning, whenever I'm home from work, like if I'm sick, or if we have the day off, or if it's a weekend. My son likes to wake up and he tries to crawl out of his crib, so that means I'm up now, because otherwise he's going to fall. So I'm done sleeping. Jessie's up with Johnny every night so I can go to work. She's awesome, best wife ever. I love you. Anyways, don't you try to catch that. That was hers. All right, y'all back off. Anyways, so I go, okay, well, looks like I'm awake now. So I get up and I pick him up. And he gets all happy, and I put him down in the bed, and he crawls around for a while. And then he gets bored, and so when he's bored, it's just, oh, it's just time to start crying now. Oh, thank God. I, I, I'm glad it's time to start crying now. And so me and Jesse, we just try to survive because it's kid number one. We know we're going to mess him up worse than we mess up any of our other children. So we hand him whatever we can. Just chew on something, man. So we have, like, little plastic spoons just right in his hand, right? So he starts gnawing on that thing, and I'm like, oh, thank God. Now all I got to do is not fall asleep. Because I will destroy him if I do. And that's really sad. Anyways, so he gets this moment where he starts laughing maniacally. and starts waving his arms around. And he starts swinging the spoon up and down. And I'm like, dude, 
get it, man. I'm so glad you are stoked about that spoon right now. Like you're having the time of your life with a plastic spoon, right? And then he starts bringing it up closer and closer, and it's right next to his eye, and all I think of is, oh my God, he's going to stab himself in the eye if I don't take this away from him. And then it's like everything just like freeze-framed. It was like, I couldn't even do the noise because my throat is, whatever. I'm your father. Anyways, I see I can do Darth Vader now. You don't know the power of the dark side. I love Star Wars. Y'all can go away. Just leave the church, man. I'm done with this. Anyways, so he's chewing on the spoon. He starts wagging it around. almost hits him in the eyeball, and I stop him. And then I just have this weird epiphany. And I always hear preachers talk about it, and I never really have them. But it's funny. I had one just in time for preaching, and I was like, oh, my God. Is that not the goodness of God? That, that, that I enjoy this so much, but I have no idea it's about to harm me for the rest of my life. So rather than let me get hurt, God would take away my momentary pleasure so I could have greater joy in the future. Looking at my son, I realized if he gets hit in the eyeball, he could irreparably damage his eye for the rest of his life, right? He, he, he could even lose the eye. And it's like, I get maybe he has a great personality. Maybe he's going to be really good looking. But with that eye patch, that's always going to hamper his abilities with any ladies. You know, and, and, and I want my son to have every opportunity that I did not have, okay? I was some, y'all look at me and you guys would be like, is that the swamp thing? Oh, no, it's just like 15-year-old Thomas rolling around. Listen, y'all can back off, all right? My mom thought I was handsome. Anyways, but, oh, and Mrs. Willis always thinks I'm handsome. Girl, you stop it, Haas. I'm not talking about now. Jeez. I'm talking about back then, man. Anyways, um, so, so you, you know, uh, it will always take away from him if I didn't stop his happiness right there, right? So here's God, right? I'm nothing like God, but here's God in that kind of situation, right? I've lived 25 years, which to my son, that's eternity. He can never comprehend that at where he's at. And because I've lived these 25 years, which to a lot of you might be like, that's not very impressive. Whatever. Take the mic from me. Anyways, because I've lived these 25 years, I understand the way life works to an extent so I can guess things that will happen further on. I have gained foresight through my experience. God is so much older than me. In fact, he has no age because he always is. And he's not constrained by time like I am. So here's God smiling because I'm happy. And here I am, here all we are, sitting there in a diaper, waving a spoon around and laughing like a madman because I have a plastic spoon, which, my God, good, good for you, man. Things have a really hard time entertaining me nowadays. Like, to go back to that, that would be something else. I'd save a lot of money. So here he is, waving it around, right? And, 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 and God looks at me and says, I love you so much that I'm going to take from you right now. And I heard this theology going around that God never takes. No, see, that's, that's not right. Because I remember when Job, when Job lost quite a bit, right? Right? We're going to get back to Job here in a minute. But anyways, looking down at me and knowing, hey, I'm going to remove your current happiness because it's actually the thing that's going to destroy you. So that later on down the road, you will experience joy like you never 
have before. And here I sit, no concept of what is going on. Here's this big, massive God. To my son, I weigh 200 pounds now. This is the heaviest I've ever been in my entire life. And man, I'll tell you something, it ain't no fat. It ain't no fat, y'all. Let's back off. Anyways, right, Jesse? Girl, you know. <laughs> no idea the amount of power I hold over him. I could out-talk him. I can outthink him. I can do anything. I'm faster than him. I'm smarter than him, I hope, right? I'm heavier than him. I'm stronger than him. I'm more capable of him. I can provide for him. He cannot provide for me. He can't provide for himself. Nothing. He's helpless and defenseless without me. He would not even be alive. And just like God, right? We're going to go to James 1, 17. We're going to go 17 through 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He does not change. Verse 18, this is the really important part. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creation. See, I, 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 I remember earlier when I was up on the stage, I was talking about Judah Smith, right? And I don't know if you guys saw, I, I posted on Facebook a kind of a bit of a testimony, like where I was at, where God was meeting me. And he talks about something, and he says that, God formed Adam out of the dirt, but he did not become a living soul until he breathed into him. And he said, and from that day forward, all of us are surviving off of the borrowed breath of God. Without him, we are nothing. So in that same spot where I'm sitting over there leaning over this child in my bed, knowing that he has nothing without me, in the same way God is looking at us, and so when I take from him so that he won't hurt, it will hurt him then, but it won't hurt him here. That God in that same situation takes from us so later on down the road, it won't hurt us then. I love Craig Groeschel. I listen to his leadership podcast. You should listen to it. doesn't matter where you are. You're always a leader because you're a Christian. And he talks about something. He says he journals. And he says it's because he journals to encourage himself because a year later, he goes back to his journal and he'll read and go, see, that wasn't that big of a deal. But I thought it was then and it encourages him that when hard times come, I remember that wasn't a big deal. So I guarantee you this isn't going to be a big deal, right? See, we don't understand, but a year from now, the current sufferings that we are in will have no hold over us. The current things we think we desire will have no hold over us, right? The things we want, the car, right? Maybe it's the girl. Maybe it's the guy. No matter what, right? We sit there and we go, God, why would you take that from me? God, why would you take them from me? Why would you take these things from me, God, when all it does is make me happy? Why don't you want me to be happy, God? And we curse God. We don't understand. It's because he's making us happier down the road. What does any of this have to do with goodness? Because everything he does comes out of that place that out of the goodness of his heart, he desires good things for us. How does that reflect on us? Guys, we walk in the goodness of God when we look at other people and we desire the best for them. And then we manifest that in kindness. You ever look at someone and just go, man, they're really down. I want them to be encouraged. Goodness, I'm going to go encourage them. Kindness right there. That guy has nothing. 
I have something. It's just a little bit. But you know what, God? I don't care if I suffer. I want them to be blessed. Boom. Goodness manifesting into kindness right there. How are we operating in goodness? We spend time with God and ask him who he is and ask him to make us into him. This is a part of um, the book of Ezekiel. People like to quote it all the time. Well, you know, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Stop it. Stop it. You read that in context. He's rebuking people. He says, these curses are coming upon you. You want to know why? Because your ways are not my ways. Because your thoughts are not my thoughts. I didn't understand that for years until I finally went down and was like, I'm going to read that for myself. And you know what I realized? Wow, God, it's your word that says you want me to have your kingdom. That I have your mind. Lord, that you've given me a new nature. Why are my ways not your ways and my thoughts not like your thoughts? Well, because you're not God. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe anything like that. Jesus came and died for me so I could be like him. I will never be able to create anything. I will never be able to do anything. I can never save anybody. But man, I can bear his image to the best of my ability. And what that takes is just a little bit of time spent with him and a little bit of shifting our thoughts and shifting our ways to be like his thoughts and his ways. I love my father so much. I love my dad so much. But I remember sitting down and seeing a homeless guy one time and I really hope he doesn't listen to this because I don't want to hurt his feelings by sharing this story. But he looked over and he saw the homeless guy. See, my dad works hard. I never see him. I never saw him. He was always working. He made mistakes. He told me this one time. He said, I'm working now, and I'll work until my, uh, up until my 70s, Thomas, because I spent so long messing around, and then I finally got serious when I got older. And he said, I'm making up for my own mistakes right now. So he kills himself at his job that does not appreciate him. And he looks over at this, and he looks over at a homeless guy just doing something that was honestly not okay. And he said, that makes me so mad. And all these people want to do is give them all their money, and he's not even working hard for it. Man, I can understand exactly what he's saying. But let me tell you something. What my dad desperately needs is the love of God in his life because he can look at him and recognize he deserves nothing. He deserves nothing. He's not trying He's not working, he's not striving, he's not earning, and he's ruining other people's lives. But you know what? I remember when all you did was give me breath, when all you did was give me life, when all you did was give me everything, and I wasted it, and I squandered it like the prodigal son, and I spent it on all kinds of pleasure, and then you said, okay, well, now I'm going to send my son to die for you, even though you've done nothing to deserve it. And now he can look at that guy and go, you know what? He's done nothing to deserve my love, but I'm going to love him anyways. That's goodness. It's selflessness. Amen? It is selflessness, and it is manifested in kindness. And we cannot get away from that concept because we try to take these and we try to isolate them. Love is here. Joy is here. Peace is here. No, that is absolutely wrong because how can I love if I'm not self-controlled first? I will never, ever love someone if I do not have self-control. I can never be a good person to what God says I should be if I do not have self-control, if I do not have love, if I am unfaithful, if I am not kind, if I am not joyful, if I am not peaceful, if I am not patient. Amen? I can never be who I am supposed to be in God if I am not all of these things at the same time. That sounds like way too much. Then start somewhere. Because as I said, it's simple. You start on one of them. You just start seeking God. Just start on one of them, and God will make it all come together. 
Maybe some days it's just a spend a little bit of time. Uh, Aaron, if you can come up here. I'm a, I need the piano because otherwise I'm just going to keep rambling. I'm joking, actually. I could probably end like right this very second. I don't care. Anyways, if I, if I just spend a little bit of time with God every single day, I say, you know what? I don't know how to be a better person. I don't know how to be a Christian. I don't know how to love. And I look around this room and I see people who've been here for years, right? I see people who've been here for such a long time. And we've heard the sermons and we've seen the people. We've had some really good speakers up here and we had guest speakers. We've seen all that stuff, man. You know, I'm talking to you guys and I'm not saying anything new. We've heard this over and over and over and I could yell until I'm blue in the face, right? And I'm not up here saying any of you do not love, do not have self-control. What I'm up here saying is like, man, man, we've got to just get back to God because his nature is goodness. And we spend all this time and all this effort and look around the room. We've tried so hard, right? We've sent out mailers. We've gone out on social media. We've gone out on the streets. We've fed the homeless. We've done events. We've done all these things. And yet I look around the room and everyone wants more people in the church, right? Yeah, we want the church to grow. We want our church family to grow. I'll tell you what's going on. It's that same thing I talked about earlier. There's no... There's no goodness in us. We're tired. It's just what we do. Man, ministering and loving Jesus. I remember when I was 17 years old and I was so depressed and I was just doing drugs and I was hating my life and I was addicted to porn and I was doing all kinds of things and all I wanted was someone to notice me and I felt like no one did and I came into a church and like eight people in that church, when I walked in, eight people walked up and talked to me and asked me how I was doing, gave me hugs. I was like, what the heck? You're all so weird. I'm from a Mormon church. And it sounds like, it feels like a club in here. I don't understand what's going on. And man, people came up and they just loved on me. And I went and I went to my seat and I stood there like this. And they're all jumping up and down and screaming about Jesus. And I'm like, where are your green hymnal books? With the like black gate. Or I never understood what that thing was. It's like the top of the gate, you know, you know what I'm talking about and it says him oh that's the tabernacle that's an interesting tabernacle anyways and we're like you know where's the um you know all the songs like god be with you till we meet again you know like where i'm saying thank you uh where are all of those songs at and what i realized is these people kind of threw the tradition out the window and they're just like i just love jesus i'm gonna sing Go by Hillsong, right? We're giving it all away, away, right? In the Father, there is freedom, right? There is hope in the name that is Jesus. And you sit there and you listen to me like, wow, <laughs> this is insane. Then I remember Pastor Jamin got up there and Four Cornerstone ever came out. He went to a conference and he heard it and he wrote it down and he learned it and he played Cornerstone for us. And it was just like, man, Christ alone, Cornerstone, weak made strong and the Savior's love. And I remember I was just, man, before churches and the radio overplayed that, and now we all hate that song. Man, we don't understand. You guys want to know why that song was written? Because a shooting happened and a bunch of kids died out of school. So a guy wrote that. Because in the midst of this, God is our cornerstone, amen? I remember I sat there in those pews, and Pastor Jamie came out, and he, and, he, and he preached about the love of a father, Right? And he told the story about him and his brother going out on dunes and his brother falls off and breaks his arm. 
I mean, I really don't remember much about the sermon. I wasn't really that entertained, but I remember him saying that he looked at his brother and he said, I don't know what to do. And his brother looked at him and said, go get dad. And he ran and he went and got dad and dad came and made it all better. And he said, who needs their father to come make it all better? I just raised my arms and I said, I, that, man, that's what I need. And I, I never looked back after that. And I chased after God and I went to school the next day and kids were like, hey, Thomas, why are you smiling? And I said, I got saved. Jesus loves me. And they were like, wow, okay, right? I didn't care about what anyone thought about me. But Jesus loved me. Amen? I was 17 years old and I had a track record that was awful. Right? You should never judge someone based on their age. There are kids who are 13, 14 years old who have probably been through more than any of us have. Man, it's just... Remember, not only did I experience his love, I experienced people who walked in the nature of Jesus Christ, who walked in his goodness. And when I... I went up in the middle of worship to, you know, Tyshawn. Remember Tyshawn Roland? He's up there praying for people. And he said, what do you need? And I said, I don't know. And I started crying. And snot started coming out of my nose. And he pulled me into his arms and he prayed for me. And then I went back to my seat and I gave my life to Jesus. And afterwards, you guys remember, any of you from Church of you remember Luis Hernandez? He rolls up, sits down right next to me and says, hey, man, what's going on? I said, I don't know. And he said, I know what's going on. Jesus is touching you right now. And man, he loves you. And he loves you so much. And I love you too. And man, I just, I lost it. What are you talking about? No one notices me. Who cares about me? Man, Jesus does. And so do all these people in this room. And over the years, you know, I did an intern program and it blessed me. And in ways it made me, made me a little jaded. You know, and it made me a little it made me a little, I don't want to say cursed, but you know what? It gave me understanding. It gave me wisdom. It gave me knowledge. And Solomon says, beware that because that'll make your heart bitter. And I saw what it's like to run a church. And I saw what it's like to see Christians backstab other Christians. I'm not talking about on anybody at Church LV, but even people, parishioners in the seats. Seeing what congregation members do to other congregation members and having to sit there, having to help people pick up the ashes and getting in prayer request cards of people talking about how awful things are going on in your life. And you go, I don't know how to deal with this. I am so not ready. That's, I've never had to understand that before. And you just build a callus and a wall around your heart. And you just learn to shut God out of certain areas. Because if you shut God out, he won't make you feel. But God never once called us to not have emotions. God never once called us to not feel the pain. He calls us just to guard our hearts. What that means is do not let people into your heart that should not be in there. There's people who are going to come in and they're going to backstab. You be wary, right? These people who are broken and need you, you open yourself up to them, even if it hurts. Even if it hurts, amen? I'm sorry, I'm sick and now I'm crying. All the sinuses are opening up and my God, I'm just a mess. Can someone get me a tissue? I'm all gross. I mean, my God, thank you, B. You know what, B? I appreciate you. Dang, my wife's like, caught my wife lacking. So Pastor West keeps saying he's stuck on the he says, caught my man's lacking. I'm like, shut up, dude. I can say that he's not here. But anyways, so where's that heart at that we had? Right? Where where, where we looked around and we thought, I have this. I want them to have it too. And we actually did something about it. Amen something I've been feeling for a while. Tired. Tired. 
working overtime, I'm lifting heavy pipe every single day. I have to use my brain because you have to do math at my job. Got to remember how processes work. I got to be careful because if I ruin it, well, now we have to fab up a new thing from the shop. It'll cost hundreds of dollars and then I'll get yelled at. I don't like getting yelled at because that sucks. Who likes to get yelled at, right? Not me. Maybe JP does. I don't know. JP, you like getting yelled at? No? See, no one likes getting yelled at. If JP don't like it, no one like it. You know what I'm saying? That's right. <laughs> I love you, bro. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But anyways. We've walked through a ton. A lot of disappointments. A lot of mishaps. A lot of things we thought we were going to do and then ended up not really working out. But you know, last time I checked, we were, that doesn't mean we're supposed to quit. Maybe we're just supposed to go to the ashes, sift around through them, find what we can salvage and say, okay, how can I learn? How can I do it better? People tried to start churches. People tried to start revivals and things always fell apart. But then they just kept saying, cool, how do we continue on with this revival? Because a revival is going to happen. How do we continue on with this neighborhood church? Because this neighborhood will have a church. How do we become the people that God wants here? How do we become the people that God has designed to be here right now? God, what is your nature? What is your goodness that I can show this goodness to other people? Amen. Can we all just seek God? Can we all just agree collectively to go back to that place? God, it's not about the lights. It's not about the sound system. It's not about anything else. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, who are we impressing? Nobody. They can go right down the street to Las Vegas Calvary Chapel and get their minds blown over there. Who are we impressing? Nobody. We shouldn't be trying to impress anybody. We should just be trying to reach people. Amen? So out of the goodness that God has put in our hearts, let's make sure every single action we have is focused through that. Let that be your focal point, your magnifying lens. Amen? And ask God to see through that. Because I'm asking him. I'm saying, God, help me to take my eyes off myself and put it on other people. And let me see what you see in them. And show me, God. Lord, give me discernment. I don't care if you don't give me discernment for my own life. Give me discernment for their lives. It's like what Solomon did. Give me wisdom. Don't give me riches. Don't give me victory. Give me wisdom. Because I need to know how to lead these people. Because they deserve a good king. These lost, because of Jesus Christ, they deserve your salvation. How can I be that? How can I help them? How can I be that messenger? Make me into that best messenger. Amen? I'm done. I'm going to pray out, okay? Father God, every heart before you is open. God, we are humbled. Lord, we love you. And God, we're not ashamed in your presence, Lord. We're not ashamed in your presence, God, because you've taken all of our shame, God. But Lord, we are tired. But God, some of us here are sick in more ways than just physical, God. Some of us feel a spiritual ailment, God. Lord, that is just because we have strayed. We have strayed, God. We have not remained focused on your smile, God. Lord, our ears have not been close. Our ears have not been close to your throne, God. So in this moment, redirect us, God. Refocus us, God. Reinvigorate us, God.
we pray God for a passion and a fire it doesn't need to be a massive one but Lord let it not be a small one God let it not burn out in five hours or five days or five months God Lord let it be something that continues to go and continues to grow and Lord continues to show Father God and would last five lifetimes God we could pass it on to our children and on to our friends and our family and on to our neighbors and our co-workers God and Lord, let us infect people with the love of Jesus, God. Instead of backbiting and gossip and depression and angst, let us infect people with the love and the joy of Jesus Christ. A thing that they don't understand, but when they seek you, they'll know, Lord, that it's you that they've been wanting, God. Lord, that it's you that they've been seeking, God. Lord, that it's you that their heart has been desiring, God. That they have a God-sized hole right in their heart. Give us the mouth to speak that, God. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, give us your goodness, God, and your nature. And help us show it to these people, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, what time is it? It's almost one. Oh, it's past one. My God. Spanish church will be here in a little bit. I thought I was going to be all...